it's great to be with you, and I'm really excited about this morning, really excited. This is a significant passage in my life um, that we're going to be looking at today, and God really used this passage to introduce me to his word, um, and used the book of Philippians, actually, to introduce me to his word in a really amazing way, so hopefully, I might, if I have time, I'll tell you about it later. Um, So since September, we have been in this series in Philippians, living the joyful life um, from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And if you have missed any of the series, I would really encourage you to check out our website, um, check out Spotify, anywhere else that I'm unaware of where it will be there. But it's in everywhere that you find all good recordings and podcasts. You will find it there. So I really encourage you. The, The team... The admin team uh, make great efforts to put that um, um, on the interweb and make it available to us, and it's great to use it. Journeys, um, what else? When you're having a coffee, when you're cleaning. I mean, those are times times that I listen to stuff, so it's it's really great. And last week it was really exciting because Emily, you'll remember that Emily read out the scripture in her own language. And I'm looking around the room trying to find Zainab. There she is. Because um, I loved that so much, I want to do it again. And I've asked Zainab if she will read the passage today. It's Philippians 3, verse 12 to 21. I'm sorry there isn't a slide thing today because that just didn't happen. But um, if, you could, if you've got a Bible with you or if you've got a phone, if you can find that. Now, Zainab has about three or four languages available to her, which amazes me. I just think that's incredible. And today, she has, she'll come and tell you what language she's going to read in. Do you want to come up, UK, to use that microphone? Is that all right? And let's listen to the word being read in... Which language are you going to read in? Um, I decided to read first in Georgian and half of them, uh, of them in Russian. Wow, so we've got possible. Georgian and Russian today. Yeah. So, okay, whenever you're ready. Philippians 3, verse 12 to 21. Впрочем, до чего мы достигли, так и должны мыслить, и потому правилу жить. Подражайте братьям мне и смотрите на тех, которые поступают по образу, какой имеете в нас. Ибо многие, о которых я часто говорил вам, а теперь даже со слезами говорю, поступают как враги Христа и Христова. Их конец погибель, их Бог чрева. Слава их в сраме, они мыслят о земном. Наше же жительство на небесах, откуда мы ожидаем Спасителя Господа нашего Иисуса Христа, который уничиженное тело наше преобразит 
так как оно будет сообразно славному телу его, силою и действует, и покоряет себе все. So I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation this morning, Philippians 3, verse 12 to 21, and it's pressing toward the goal. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you agree on some point, sorry, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Amen. So when you read that piece of scripture, to me... Thank you so much for putting that up, Chris. That's really kind of you. So for me, it almost read like there were you could get so many things. There were so many things to pull out of this scripture. And I'm just going to concentrate on one element of it. But I want you to know there's loads. You could sit and you could study that piece of scripture. And it, it would teach you so many things. So I just really want to um, commend to you reading and studying scripture. Because you meet God. You meet God in the midst of it. The word is living and active. And when you open the word and you take time and you read it, sometimes just again and again and again, he makes it its heartbeat and he makes you meet him in the middle of it. And it's the most incredible thing. So some quick context for this passage, because we might have forgotten from the earlier preachers. Philippi, as you remember, it was a Roman colony. And Paul was writing from prison to the Christians who lived in that colony. Paul was encouraging the Philippians. It's a major theme in the whole of the letter that he's encouraging them. And he's encouraging them to live out their lives as citizens of a heavenly colony. So they're in this colony, this Roman colony, and he's saying live as citizens of heaven in that colony. So that's quite real to them. And they were living in a time and a place where there were people in their midst that had lost their way. There were people around them that had not followed the way of salvation. Um, they would explain sin away, and their focus was like worldly noise and priorities. So that's the context that this letter is going into. And this part of the letter, Paul is encouraging 
the, Philipp- the congregation of Philippi not to rest on the things that have gone before. There's been some little bits of arguments, but they're in a pretty stable place. And he's saying, don't take that for granted. You can't afford to pause or get into a comfort zone. The world is too full of perils and challenge. And the gospel is too amazing. It's too wonderful. It's too glorious for this congregation to be content and settle where they are. So Paul encourages them to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. You might have heard that phrase before, and it's, the, it's in Christ Jesus. And he calls them to keep moving on, basically, to spiritual growth. And so there's so much more to it. It's really hard to be contained to just this, but that's what we're going for. So um, he highlights that spiritual growth and progress is not through the special insight of just a few but it's through faith in Jesus and so we're because we can't cover everything this morning even though I really want to but it's just not going to happen um we're going to take a closer look into some of the things the passage talks about in relation to pressing on so this morning we're going to be talking about the language of pressing on the practical of pressing on, and the prize of pressing on. Um, So hopefully we'll get you home in time for lunch. Are you ready? Buckle your seatbelts. Okay, so the language of pressing on. So on first reading of this passage, you hear the encouragement of press on. um, It's repeated twice. Um, It's like this momentum, this keep going. But if you dig a bit deeper, you realise there's some real passion and significance in what Paul is saying. Paul uses some key words, and we need to take notice of them. So, if you've got a pencil or even a pen, if you dare, like write in your Bible, or if you've got a highlighter um, element on your app, could you get that ready, please? Because I would like you to highlight some things. So in verse 12, there's a little phrase, press on. And then in verse 13, it says, looking forward. Well, it says that in my version, but in others, it might be, you might have the word straining or reaching forth. And then in verse 14, we've got press on again. So there's a little bit of, if you put some highlight, is, is, is Chris doing this? I mean, this is just technical genius. Wow. I never thought I'd be so impressed to see yellow type on a, on a PowerPoint. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, looking forward forward. you keep him yeah so let's think about this idea of press on the original word for press on here is a really strong one it isn't just like oh come on just keep trying it's press on it's in highlight it's in bold it's in volume press on it's a strong word and he write, Paul writes this again in verse 14 and it's about this idea of dedication to press on, to exert, to pursue. Um, This is a word that speaks of passion. It speaks of energy and strength. It's like the way an athlete would exert themselves in training. Now, clearly, I'm no athlete, but I know a few people who like running. And there's a point in running. I'm looking at you, Nick. You're my, a few weeks ago it was about the telescope, today it's about pressing on. You like running, Claire, you like running. 
So there's a point where you have to press on, isn't there? Yeah, they're nodding. They're nodding with, with vigour. There's a point where you have to press on. So it's that kind of thing. It's, it's when you are exerting yourselves and um, you're pressing on in order to strengthen yourself. There's a determination about it and intentionality about it. And it's no small detail because Paul uses this word in another place in this letter. But he uses it when he's giving his account of his past. So if you go back to verse 6 in chapter 3, Paul says this, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. What's that got to do with pressing on or, or um, pursuing? Well, it's that word pursuing. The original word for persecuted is the same as the original word for pursuing or press on. And it's to do with the energy and drive. So what Paul is saying is that with the same energy and drive that he used to put into persecuting the church, he now puts into building and strengthening the church. That's why it's an important detail. Paul was an example so he needed to live a life of pursuit. And they would have, when he gives his account, they would have understood how much he, perse- he persecuted, how much he pursued the Christians. Now he's showing that he's turned his life. He's going for Jesus. Because that energy he put into what was his past, he now puts into what is his future. That's very authentic, isn't it? That's very authentic. So then there's this idea of looking forward or straining towards. Paul uses another strong word here, this idea of straining forward. It relates to the athletic context. But think Olympics, think chariot racing. Has anyone been chariot racing recently? Not really. Last week. week. They're (laughs) such a sporty couple, aren't they? Um, So chariot racing. Let's imagine the noise and the thunder of chariot racing. I mean, I'm thinking like of a cartoon. What's the cartoon with the chariot racing? Who is it in the back? Who is it? Ben Hur. <laughs> ben Hur. Okay. Okay, let's forget that one. Anyway, chariot racing. So you've got the galloping horses, you've got the dust, you've got the fiery heat of the wherever it is, and you're straining towards, you're pushing, you're willing every part of energy of those horses but then you yourself are in the chariot and you're leaning forward so that your tiny addition of momentum is helped you know it's helping you to get you across the line to get you over to win the race think of the photo finish moments it's about intention it's about effort it's about Every fibre of your being being set on this goal. You're straining towards the prize. The photo finish moment when the look on the athlete's face tells you everything that you need to know. Let's take a minute to role play this out. Turn to the person next to you and give them your best photo finish face. Come on, don't let me down. Okay, Nick and Claire are so into this, it's great. Okay, so that's the idea of the words that Paul is using, right? He's using these words. He's using them for a reason. He's, I love Paul because I feel, like, I feel like Paul and I would really get on because he seems quite expressive. He seems quite a passionate person. And I feel like 
my expression and the passion that I show would just be nothing compared to his. I'd have nothing to worry about. I wouldn't have to, like, you know, worry about am I offending anyone or anything because Paul's there. I can't wait to meet him in heaven. I can't wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be best buds with him, I think. So let's move on to the practical of pressing on. So we understand what Paul means in terms of the language of pressing on, but what does he mean in terms of practicalities? Like, what does it look like to press on? I was having a really interesting conversation this morning with one of the young people, one of the children who is now in kids' work, and uh, she asked me what my papers were. And I said, oh, it's, it's um, some notes about what I'm going to say today, because I'm talking about some of the verses in the Bible. And she said, oh, what's it about? And I said, oh, well, it's about pressing on. Do you know what that means? And she said, kind of. And I said, it's like when you're running, do you ever run a race? And she said, yeah, I do. And I said, do you ever get tired when you're running the race? And she said, oh, yes, I do. I said, what do you do when you get tired and you're running a race? She said, well, well, I just think about winning. I said, well, how does that help you? He said, well, it just makes me run faster. It just makes me go faster, even though I'm tired. And I said, well, that's what I'm talking about this morning. You clearly don't need to hear it. <laughs> I said, what do you think about? What do you think? She's just winning, just the prize. And her eyes widened. And it was like, I was like, wow. Wow, this is amazing. That's the practical of pressing on. It's not quite as simple as that, is it, though? Let's, let's just look into this a little bit. Paul was an example to the early church. They didn't have the New Testament. Sometimes it's hard to remember that. They didn't have the New Testament like we do. So it was really important that he lived a life worthy and was this example. He had to live the pressing on. He couldn't just tell people to press on. That's why that example of the words is so important. He needed to be authentic. The pressing on is about growing in Christ. It's about growing. He, Paul knows that as he pursues being more like Jesus, he's going to grow. He has such an authentic view of himself because he says, like, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet. This isn't by works. I didn't do it. I need to grow through him. I need to pursue Jesus. And then he tells us how he does it. He says, I focus on this one thing, verse 13. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Here it is. Paul focuses on one thing. One thing, Jesus just that, like our lovely, beautiful King's Kid child who's in there right now learning more about Jesus, she focuses on the prize. Paul focuses on the prize. It's Jesus. We need to focus on the prize. One thing. Focus on one thing. Then he says he forgets what lies behind. So he doesn't let his past influence his present. And this is another reason why that language that Paul uses is so significant. He went on from the pursuit of his life being to persecute Christians to the passion and pursuit of his life being to follow Jesus. He so clearly went from darkness to light. It's such a clear thing. And the more we read it, the more we, the, the kind of more dynamic comes to it. 
he so clearly went from darkness to light. But you know what? So did we. So did we. There was that moment when we were in darkness and that was our focus and our prize. And we turned and we gave our lives to Jesus and he became our focus and our prize. Paul could have let his past disqualify him, but he didn't. And we can sometimes struggle with that. That can sometimes be something that's really difficult. We can sometimes fall into the trap of not forgetting what lies behind. And it's challenging. It's a really challenging thing. It's challenging to process. It's challenging um, because there might be things that God wants to refine in us through the process the process of what, we, of what we need to forget. And sometimes that can impact our view of his ability to meet us. Sometimes we've got memories and that can affect how we, how we cope with things. But we have this amazing opportunity today, right now. We have this amazing opportunity to give our past to God in a way that brings such freedom. So I want us to think about what helps to forget what lies behind. Healing helps. What lies behind might be something that we need healing from. And there are times when past events mean that we do need healing because there's hurt or there's challenge and it's, or maybe there's trauma and it's, it can be difficult and sometimes we do need healing. We might need to forgive and release other people or we might need to experience it um, we, might, we might need to get over the experiences of trauma. But in all of that, we need to remember that Jesus knows the details. Nothing that's happened to us has happened without his knowledge or without his understanding. He knows exactly how it's impacted us. He knows exactly what's gone on. And he is gentle and he is powerful and he's strong enough to help us. He's strong enough to bring healing. He's, his blood has freed us from anything that we've done. And his, he, he can heal us from stuff that's happened. So the other thing that can help us to forget what lies behind is living in the fullness of forgiveness. When we repent, we are forgiven. Hands up if you struggle to believe that sometimes. Thank you for being so authentic. When we repent, we are forgiven. That is the truth. And it's not a wavering, fluid, weak truth. It's mighty. It stretches from the beginning of eternity to the end of time. There is nothing that can hinder that truth. There is nothing that can separate us from that. We, we, when we repent, we are forgiven. God chooses, in Hebrews 8 it says... God says, I will remember their sins no more. And this is true. This is true for Paul. And it's true for us. And it's amazing. So we need to press on and pursue a mindset that's transformed. And it holds this truth of forgiveness that we stand in. Sometimes we feel a sense of condemnation. But it's really important to remember that when we feel convicted, it's God. And there's always grace. There's always a way out. There's always, return to me. I love you. Deal with this with me. 
I love you. When we feel, um, when we feel convicted, it's God putting his finger on something that he wants us to find freedom in, or he wants us to go deeper with him in, or he wants to repent, us to repent about. But when we feel condemned, that's, not, that's the enemy. The enemy wants to condemn us. The enemy wants to steal that grace and freedom that God has given us through his forgiveness. So it's really important to remember that. If you're feeling a sense of condemnation, that you can't get out of stuff, that is not God. What you do is you reject that. And you, you lean into the truth. I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. His blood has set me free. There's nothing that can hinder his love for me. These are the truths that we need to have floating around our heads. Worship is a really great way of uh, chasing away that feeling of feeling condemned. Because when you put your eyes onto Jesus, when you make him the focus, you magnify him. And it's amazing how quickly that feeling of condemnation goes. It's amazing. It's really quick. The other thing to think about in terms of living in the fullness of forgiveness is that when we repent, we give the things that happen to God and they're covered with the blood of Jesus. And that transforms them. We give them to him. They don't belong to us anymore. They're his. He, he, he paid for them. He paid for them. They're his. And in a sense, they don't belong to us anymore. They, we give them to Jesus and so that when we think of them, we need to remember that they're no longer how we remember them because they don't belong to us anymore. It's not, it, we need to see it through the blood of Christ. If we remember how, what happened, that isn't, that isn't how it is. Do you, do you understand what I mean? And the other thing is about when we forgive others. That's another part of living in the fullness of freedom. Now, when we forgive others, it, it, it does free us, but it doesn't always feel like it does. Because we still live with the results of what happened. We still live with the impact sometimes. And so sometimes that can be a really difficult thing to navigate. Because sometimes you can be in a situation and, it, and you can have a memory or you can... You know what I mean? You can kind of like get into that thing and it, it can be challenging. But we need to remember that when we forgive others, it releases us. It actually sets us free. God will deal with, with them, but it sets us free. And again, we need to renew our minds in that and, and just cling to him, press into him. This is a key point of pressing in. When you forget what lies behind Press into him when it's hard. Press in. Pursue him. Just fight for him. Just hold on to him. And he will, he will bring grace. And then a really helpful way, especially with that last one, is to invite God into the memories. And we've, like, Wendy Mann's been really helpful for us, hasn't she, as a, as a church? Like, just that um, weekend that she did, the, the couple of sessions that she did, and we do, um, who's enjoying the a naturally supernatural course at the moment. I am really, that is amazing. We're so blessed to have that opportunity. And if you've missed out on that, please don't worry. We will, we are working as a team, a, a, a team of um, 
community group leaders, we're working as a team to figure out a way that we can help people to catch up on that if you've missed that. But there's also the book, and there's also some videos online you can get hold of. And she talks about this idea of inviting God into the memories, and it's a really powerful um, experience. There are people in this church who've got amazing testimonies about how inviting Jesus into the memory just unlocked things for them and set them free. And I I just think it's a really powerful way as we navigate forgetting what lies behind. So, um, if we process the past with God, his grace informs our perception of the past. That's why it's an important thing to do. That's so helpful when we process it with him. Um, if we don't, the pain is what informs our perception of, what, of the past. And pain informing our perception of the past can give volume to this idea of condemnation and regret. When we process it with God, it's freedom, it's light, it's looking to him. It's sometimes still painful, but he gives grace for that. Okay, we're going to move on. We're nearly there. Okay, and then there's this idea of the prize of pressing on. So lastly, in this bit of the passage that we're going to look at today, Paul says he looks forward to what lies ahead. He presses on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. Paul focuses his energy and attention on the direction that lies ahead. So he's looking forward. He's moving forward. He's not trying to move forward while he looks back because that takes you in a circle or it makes you fall down or it makes you bump into something you can't who try <laughs> this might be a, Anil don't listen to this <laughs> who drives forward and looks behind them oh <laughs> so have you noticed how when you when you just like look behind and you drive a little just quickly it's not you know have you noticed that your steering just goes off slightly and maybe you have a wife who goes ah <laughs> sorry that was a bit, a bit loud on the tape I'm not saying that that's what happens in the Mathis household or anything, but, you know, you can just read between the lines. Um, but you can't, can you? You can't try and move forward while you look back. It just leads to this kind of stress point. So Paul focuses on where he's going. He sets his eyes, and again, this use of this um, athletic word, he strains towards the prize. He strains for the pursuit of what lies ahead. Why? because it motivates him in the trial. Where is he as he writes this letter? He's in prison. He's in prison. There's trials that he's facing. It focuses in on, for him, it focuses in on what his priorities are and what he values the most, Jesus. And it helps him find joy in every circumstance. Remember that he's found rejoicing in Christ in his prison cell. How is that even possible? Because he's focusing on the prize. The prize is the fullness of blessings and rewards in the age to come. Most especially being in perfect fellowship with Jesus forever. Paul is so stirred and motivated by this. It's the direction and the focus that motivates him to forget what lies behind and press in for the prize. The wisdom... Sorry, microphone. The wisdom that I experienced from this small child this morning that I spoke to, when she said, 
And I said, what do you do? You're thinking about the prize. You're finding it really difficult. You're puffed out. What do you do? I just keep running. She said, I just keep running. And I just think that is such wisdom. It was a really profound experience. Um, It's just such wisdom. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Just keep running. Really quickly, because I know time's getting on. Really quickly. I want us to think about ways that we can respond. Now, I told you at the beginning that Philippians was a really important book for me. Philippians was the first book that I ever studied properly. I was about... I was like 18. I was I just left home. I was a student nurse and I rocked up to a church and um, I'd read the Bible but I'd never studied it properly. I'd read bits of the Bible. I hadn't read the whole Bible. Let's just I just need to be real. But I hadn't studied it properly. Um, and I was in this meeting and I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I'd been experiencing quite a weighty cloud of depression and I kind of I didn't feel right I didn't I know I wasn't okay but I didn't really understand it and we weren't taught like we're taught now about how to identify and recognize things I didn't really know what was going on I just didn't feel good and um, I was sitting in this congregation and I began to experience in the worship time this joy that I couldn't contain and it began to bubble up from like inside, deep inside, it began to bubble up. And I was just like grinning and just laughing and just, but I was connecting with the truth of what I was singing while trying to sing because I couldn't actually get any words out because I was laughing. And it was a really confusing experience for me at first because I didn't really understand what was happening. But then I understood that the Holy Spirit was filling me. And later I responded to prayer and the guy um, prayed for me and he, he just said, cloud of depression, leave. And I felt it go immediately, immediately. And um, it was such a powerful moment. And I talked to him afterwards and I said, I, I didn't understand what it was that I was feeling, but when you said those words and you prayed that, like something changed and I felt something leave and I, I felt the difference. How can I have not understood that I was feeling that? I was really confused. And he said, I want you to go away. I want you to read Philippians. I want you to read Philippians. And it, it changed my life because I saw the prize. I saw the prize as I read it. And we need to see the prize. We need to, we need to do whatever it takes to see the prize. <laughs> because he's so beautiful. He's so incredible. Jesus is so worth it. He's so worth it. So what I want us to do is worship. Just for a short time. I know we're a little bit pressed for time but let's just make the space to worship with no agenda other than just to gaze at him just to look at the prize there may be things that i've spoken to people there may be god might have been pushing all kinds of buttons he definitely did with me when i was preparing and as i've been living through these last couple of weeks there's been so many buttons pressed 
even this morning. But I just think that the answer in every one of those situations is Jesus. The answer is to gaze upon him and he will minister to you. You will meet him and he will minister to you. And if you want someone to pray with you, we'd be really happy to pray with you. We don't necessarily need to know what it's about. And if you get a word of knowledge, anybody, if you get anything as we're worshipping and you want to share that, bring it. Let's just have some time and space to, to gaze upon the prize and to dwell in his presence. Yeah, you with me? <clears throat> Amen. Lord, I just want to thank you that... I want to thank you for Paul's walk. I want to thank you that you came as our saviour. You didn't have to. Jesus, you came... You laid everything aside. You left your heavenly throne and you came to us. You lived a perfect life so that you could pay for our sin, so that we could have a way to know the Father and to be in his presence. Jesus, you are the prize. If anyone doesn't know Jesus and wants to know Jesus, that's another way that we'd love to pray for you. Because your life will never be the same again. You'll always have a prize that is glorious to run for.